We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, everybody. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. Hopefully, you have uh, had some time to recover, ate a good dinner, went on a walk, went on a you know bike ride or, or something to uh, get your mind off of the Chargers loss, uh, 31-17 at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Just a, a brutal, brutal second half for this team. We'll dive into all of it. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Obviously, you know, hopefully you can continue to support the show as you have been. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, that being said, Tyler is here as always. Tyler, how are you doing? How have you recovered from the loss so far? I have not. I am angry and frankly a bit embarrassed and upset. And I know some people will say, you know, you're too emotionally invested in football and some team and you know, all this sort of stuff. But like, we are. This is what we do. I mean, down to the fact that we are financially invested in this team as well. Yeah. You know, like there's so much that we put into this for the season to unofficially be dead uh, October 22nd already in week seven is rough. And we'll get into all the reasons they lost today. But, you know, just looking ahead to the season and the games that I've paid for essentially as a season ticket holder. I mean, it's rough, man. Like it, it is a rough outlook right now, and I'm sure you and a lot of Chargers fans, really all Chargers fans, are frankly kind of over it right now. 
Yeah, we we see the comments. We hear you guys. We share a lot of the same frustrations. Uh, I mean, listen, like Tyler and I both have, you know, full-time careers. Thankfully, we're at that point of our lives. But uh, each of us are spending about 25, 30 hours a week doing this podcast and preparing for the podcast and doing interviews and watching film and studying and preparing for, for everything, right? This is not a... You know, something we just hop on here and we just, you know, vent. Although we do do that from time to time. Um, but we pour a lot of, of hard work into this podcast and, and we've grown it. And, and we're very fortunate for a lot of the, the things that we have uh, accomplished together. Um, but it it's really frustrating to sit here and, and look at these AFC standings and see the Chargers tied with the Tennessee Titans at two and four in the AFC. And, and the half game above the Patriots and the Broncos, teams that were intentionally going to be bad this season <laughs> uh you know the chargers at two and four has certainly have an uphill battle um ahead of them you know we're going to continue to root for this team obviously you guys are going to continue to get our best efforts because that's what we sign up for we sign up for uh this kind of analysis we signed up for this this kind of uh you know product and we're not going to put out a bad product like you guys are going to continue to get our best effort here but it is really frustrating to sit here and look at where this team is at. All of the missed opportunities. Uh, you know, I, I, today's I don't feel as as much of about is is missed opportunities. But Tony Romo mentioned several times today. You know, the Chargers' record could be very different if certain things had gone their way, or if you know they had adjusted quicker, or things like that. And uh, instead, they are two and four. They play the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. I'm shocked that the league kept that game on prime time, uh, given the backup quarterback situation for the Bears. Again, another team that is intentionally bad. Um, but we'll see what happens here. So, uh, like I said, you guys will continue getting our best efforts because that's what Tyler and I are about. You know, Alex Katzen, Alex Inzorf, Arjun, Jameson, all of the guys that are part of our team will continue to put their best foot forward because that's what they're about, and that's why we have them on as part of our team. Uh but it's frustrating, man. You know, to see this team come up short uh, time and time again, particularly against the Chiefs, is is certainly frustrating. So, uh, I usually do kind of the the monologue here, or at least I have done in the in the past few weeks, Tyler. But uh, I'll let you kick kick us off here. Uh, you know, we're five minutes in here, but uh, what's your your biggest takeaway after watching the Chiefs or yeah, watching the Chargers lose to the hands of the Chiefs again, thirty one to seventeen? If I had to give one overall big takeaway looking at the entire team, I really don't know what the identity of the Los Angeles Chargers is that is anything positive. If you want to say their identity is losing close games or choking in the fourth quarter or having a bad defense or whatever, fine. But I don't really know what the identity of the Los Angeles Chargers is overall or really on any side of the ball outside of Ryan Ficken is a good special teams coordinator. And that's really it. And that's not an identity. Sorry. Ryan Ficken being good is not an identity. What is the offensive identity of this team? What is something that the Chargers can lean on when things are going rough, when Justin Herbert's not having a great game? Do they have offensive linemen, or really tight ends as well, that consistently impose their will? Do they have displacers? at tight end so they can have a consistent run game no what is their identity on offense in terms of the passing game i don't really know yet 
I think I've seen changes. So I know sort of the direction they're going, right? ADOT's different, you know, that sort of stuff. That's all different. But like, what really is the identity of this of this Chargers passing attack? What's the identity of the run game? And are any of those identities even successful? And you could argue no, really hasn't been. Or if it's successful, it's inconsistent. What is the identity of this defense? I think that more than anything else has been the question all season long. Mm-hmm. What is the identity of this defense? I don't know. What is it? it? Other than we've paid these guys a lot of money and half the time they win their matchups and they look really good, especially when they're playing Aiden O'Connell on the Raiders. Other half of the time, I don't know. So my overall takeaway, honestly, is, is what is what is their identity? And frankly, because of that lack of identity, they can't play complementary football they can't win games. They can't play complete halves or even complete games or complete quarters. It feels like every other drive is different. You know, with the Chiefs, they've adjusted things short. It's no longer the Tyreek Hill show, right? But they have a consistent identity that they've stuck with. And I know what they are. Mm-hmm. And the Chargers, I think, knew what they were on offense too. And they let them express that identity for whatever reason. Then we'll get into that later. The Chiefs have an identity that is complemented very well by their defense that is aggressive. And now it's just really, really good. But even when they weren't that great, they had an identity on defense that complemented their offense really well. Be aggressive, make negative plays, get the ball back to Mahomes. And it was kind of boomer bust. But like they have this identity that worked. And it never made them great, but it made them pretty good. Consistently, like, fine. I don't really don't know what the Chargers are doing on either side of the football that gives them any kind of identity. Yeah, And I think that starts from, I mean, you can say ownership, the GM and the selections, the head coach, you name it. They have no identity. And for that reason, they are losing games and their season is pretty much unofficially over at this point. And frankly, that's why you're losing fans. What is the identity of this team? That's positive. There's nothing. There's nothing for me to latch onto or for other fans to latch onto or a new fan to latch onto. It's like, well, at least we have this. You know, I can't even say today that like, well, it's like the Rivers or Fouts era where they'd score 35 points and lose because they gave up 38. Like at least, you you know, you have Air Coriel or something or, you know, maybe the Steelers, like they had the Steel Curtain, their defense. And that, the Steelers defense is, is just, they always have a thing. There's an identity there. Even the Raiders who stink, but they do have some sort of like, were the bad guys of the NFL and the NFL hates us. They and in their heyday they had that sort of thing. Max Crosby, perfect raider, perfect encapsulation sure. of that. Right. Yeah. What are the Chargers? The Chargers do not have any identity, both in their team, their offense, their defense, you name it. So that that's kind of my takeaway from this game. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a great point, a great way to start this conversation because you know, we were all hopeful that this, at least on offense, that Kellen Moore would come in and, and establish things. And, you know, the, the preseason and the training camp narrative was all about like, okay, we want to be a vertical downhill run game and we want to do aggressive play action off of that. We want to take shots downfield. And I think we can see the Chargers struggle, offense struggling with that at times. But at, at least I can see, like, potentially where this offense can get to. Um, you know, Kellen Moore certainly did not perform super well in the second half of this game. 
Um, but like you mentioned, you know, that, that identity is not there. I think on offense, at least I can like see like where, where we're going, you know, I can see the the vision a little bit more clearly defensively. There is no identity 100% of the way you know, there's nothing to really hang your hat on for this team where you can really, you know, consistently count on what the defense is going to do outside of the obvious poor results. You know, but you mentioned the Chiefs' identity on defense. You can look at the Eagles' identity on defense. You can look at the Ravens' identity on defense, and you know exactly, like, where to pinpoint. The Buffalo Bills, same kind of thing. You know, the identity of this defense right now is super unclear because, you know, one week we feel great about the defensive line. Next week they kind of struggle a little bit. But it's just really frustrating to watch this defense. And, And, you know, we'll dive into this a little bit more, but, I, I for the life of me, I can't understand the logic of coming into these two games against the Cowboys and the Chiefs, teams who are uh, 30, 30th and 29th in ADOT. And they're very clearly like trying to uh, beat you with yak and precision and, and timing and rhythm. And your corners are 10, 12, 14 yards off the line on third and twos. There was a third and two today where Tony Romo even was like circling Michael Davis, like 14 <laughs> yards off the line. And Asante Semi Jr. is 10 yards off the line. And I just, I feel like there's a clear, we're trying not to lose attitude on defense in particular. And some of that is, is from last season. Some of that is, you know, what happened the first game against the Dolphins. But it's really frustrating watching this defense just have that mentality of, of we're trying not to lose. And I think some of that is, is starting to seep into the offense, you know, and Eric Hendricks after the game says today that we're all just waiting for the others to like play well, that we're all just like waiting for, for everybody to, to come together and play complimentary football. And it's like, that's, that's playing not to lose. You're not being aggressive. Mm-hmm. You're not being assertive. And so lack of identity is very clear. And just this like general coaching and playing, not to lose is really, really evident right now for this football team. All right, let's start with the defense, which is, I said on Twitter, felt to me like self-sabotage. I frankly do not understand yeah, I don't get any it. of what happened over the last two weeks. Maybe almost to an extent last week, because at least there's like Brandon Cooks and, you know, maybe they want to throw, I don't know, dude. I'm like, <laughs> CD <I'm>, Lamb? <laughs> CD Lamb, sure, right. At least the Cowboys have like legitimately like proven yes. established deep threats. Right, right, 100%. The Chiefs are 30th in intended air yards per attempt, and they want to make you catch them in space, and they want to run, and they want to force you to tackle. Mm -hmm. And they have 912 yards before this game, after the catch this season. They just want to throw it short. They have an A dot that would make Joe Lombardi blush. (laughs) And they just want to run yak plays all game long, which is basically what they did last time the Chargers faced them when Travis Kelsey had his, you know, catch it after five yards, run for 30, et cetera, et cetera. And the Chargers defensive game plan was to play maybe even further off than they did last week. Yeah, it certainly felt further off. It felt further off, and the and the the Chiefs made him pay for it. Obviously, the you know have you ever played like little league baseball or whatever, right? Or baseball ever? You have a, a coach 
who will, you know, you guys are all practicing like fielding fly balls or whatever. And the coach will just like grab a couple of baseballs, hit them up, hit them up, hit them up. And you just, you know, kind of stand over there in the, in the outfield or wherever and just practice catching them. That's what it felt like watching Mahomes to Kelsey today. Like it just felt like you might as well even just had like a jugs machine out there and no other defenders. Like the whole concept of covering Travis Kelsey was lost on this defensive coaching staff. And the whole playing off the receivers thing, I don't get. You're asking these receivers to read, react, click and close, and go tackle these guys when the secondary is not a good tackling unit. Like, they haven't been. Last year, they were not good. You know, Michael Davis is maybe your best guy at that. I think statistically right now, in terms of missed tackle rate, he's better. But you've got, you know, God love him, Dean Marlowe, who's a bit older and certainly not an explosive athlete. You have a Derwin James on a hurt hamstring. Zant, who you've tried to take off the field because he can't tackle. Uh, Jaw Taylor, whose missed tackle rate I think is in like 26, 30% or whatever it is right now. And, and Michael Davis, who's been struggling mightily this year. And you're asking those guys to play way off against a team that will literally throw it underneath. And you're asking them to go tackle when they're not good at that. Like, it just feels like self-sabotage. I'm crazy watching it. And Tony Romo was exhausted just circling the zone the he difference was, it was every play every play he's just like here's a big circle oh here's a bigger circle like that was his, <laughs> that was his goal the entire like that was his job he's like i'm gonna and make it was a just, perfect circle today at some yes. point you watch yeah and he was so indifferent after all he's just like dude i'm please stop playing soft like i gotta keep talking about this but please stop yeah. doing it i don't get it i mean i'm sure the chiefs were like thanks i appreciate you doing this so it was just frustrating. I don't I don't get this defensive game plan at all. And like you said, the whole it starts to seep into the offense. I kind of buy that. I buy that there's a conservativeness now that is seeping into the offense that has started probably beginning of 2022. You know, 2021, why was the team so hot? Now, of course, there's some chance into that, right? You have to convert these fourth downs. But the off, like, D, Brandon Staley was like, look, we're going to live and die by Justin Herbert. We're going for it. And Joel Lombardi had some great fourth down calls. I mean, they had so many different things they could do. And it worked. The, the, the highlight of the Chargers in this regime so far is when there was a clear identity of we're going to be aggressive, we're going to win. And the offense went for it. Yeah, sure, it was an efficient offense, but they were aggressive on fourth down. There was this identity that started from the head coach. And now it just seems like, like, like you said, like this play not to lose nature where I wonder how much Herbert goes, drop back. Mm, I, I really can't take this shot to Quentin Johnson down the field because if it's an interception, that's an issue. You know, you know it's like I got to go to Keenan Allen because that's what I'm supposed to do in third down. And so therefore, you know, I, I got to do this or I just got to hand it off here. Maybe I can't make the decision to keep it myself and run left on an option because it is safer to hand it to Eckler here. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I can't. I'm not going to completely blame you know brandon staley for the offense but like you said the identity just seems to seep in so again defense i don't get it you know michael davis had his third pass breakup in two weeks playing press and it looked really good yeah. shocker in the second half the chiefs really struggled when michael davis was playing closer to the receivers and they decided to you know man cover travis kelsey and lo and behold the chiefs offense actually struggled just a little bit and yeah. the defense started to get home a little bit more when they played to the strengths of their DBs and their defense. Like, what did you do? The, what was the plan in the first half? You thought that was the better plan, you know? And so 
you know, Brandon Staley now in week seven, after week seven, after a loss, after going two and four goes, you know, we got to simplify things. You know, we got to, we got to simplify things, guys. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Well, that too, that's a whole other conversation, but you know, we got to simplify things like, dude. Yeah. We said that in week two, you know, I, after we, after week two loss, we got on here and talked about Shannon entropy scores and simplifying things for the defense and playing to their strengths. And it's like, Oh, it's week seven, and now you're going to say that? Now we're going to simplify things? It's too late. It's too late. So I, yeah. I gotta keep going. But your thoughts? No, you know, too late. It's it's twenty four to seventeen at halftime, and the final score is thirty one to seventeen. So, you know, I thought Tony Romo did a really good job of 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 isolating how the Chargers' defense improved in the second half. And you mentioned the press coverage, right? And then the other thing that. Uh, uh, Tony Romo would always highlight is that the Chargers would take from their too high shell and they would drop and the safety would drive on Travis Kelsey, essentially creating a double team. And it's like, why are you not doing that the entire game? Why is that not your plan from the jump? And, you know, like some of Staley's game plans can be really good. Some of them can be really bad. This was a this was an atrocious game plan of, from a defensive perspective. You know, what the Chiefs do best on offense is against zone coverage and finding the soft spots because Patrick and Travis have played together for years and they had this mind meld. And we talked about the, the clips where Travis and Patrick essentially will just do what they want. And now Rasheed Rice is, is coming into his own in that same regard. And so you come into this game plan against the chiefs and you're playing soft zone the entire first half. And then shocker, you go to more man coverage. You go to you know isolating Travis Kelsey, double teaming him, and your defense starts to play well. You you hold them to seven points in the second half. You create some turnovers. You create some pressure because the Chiefs' receiving core is their weakness. And what do what does how do you take advantage of that? You play man to man. You get physical. You press and you create some rhythm issues. And Staley knows this. He did it in the second half. He did it in week two last year when I felt like the Chargers defense had probably their one of their best performances of the state of the era. And I think it was uh, Patrick Mahomes like worst EPA per play, certainly against the Chargers, but, you know, of the season. And it was man coverage. It was press. It was isolating Travis Kelsey, double teaming him. And then you get in these other situations and it's soft zone. It's Michael Davis, 15 yards off. Like the whole reason why you paid. Michael Davis is because he his best attribute is to press man coverage wide receivers. Everybody knows this. Brandon Sidley talked about it when they re-signed him. So it just it was really frustrating to see them come out and, and have that kind of approach because it's too late. Like you said, it's too late. 24 points in the first half, it's too late. You're you're asking your offense to be perfect in the first half. And the offense kept up. You know, 17 points in the first half is is mm-hmm. nothing to to laugh at, but you, you can't have these kind of approaches and they did it against the Cowboys. It didn't cost them nearly as much, but it, it, Brandon Staley makes these adjustments too late. And that's essentially basically what I'm gathering is, is the theme of this game. It's too late. You made adjustments too late. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, Eddie points out the difference between Michael Davis in 2022 versus 2023, already six touchdowns allowed. And it's just week seven, which I, I believe is true. I didn't check. But, like, how much blame can I even assign to to players at this point? Like, <clears throat> you know, Michael Davis, play 12 yards off and be a good corner. 
when you've come out and said that you love playing a certain different way that has really worked for you in the past. Like, let's take what you were really good at in your best year as one of the best corners in the league last year. Let's just take what you did last year and throw that out. Actually, we'll, we'll do it in the, in the second half, the end of the third quarter. Oh, it worked. Oh, it's too late. You're a bad corner. Like, how much blame can I even assign to some of these DBs at this point because of everything that, you know, if it's Brandon Staley or, or Derek Ansley, whoever, the whole secondary, whoever is in charge of the secondary and the roles, responsibilities, coverages, you name it, like, very much so letting these guys down. And you talked about, you know, very early, I think even against the Dolphins, setting up some guys for, for failure. And I think, you know, a lot of that was just the the mixing and matching or whatever and having to find out who's playing what and where and how often. But the last two weeks have been miserable in terms of just watching these corners that have these strengths and you just, all you're doing is setting them up, setting them up to fail and have their weaknesses exploited. It's been just frustrating. Yeah, and it's not just a Michael Davis thing. Like, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, like I think his best attribute are his instincts, like his mm-hmm. ability to drive on the football, but you're going to ask him to match up coverage, Travis Kelsey and, and drag him across the formation. And, you know, you're going to ask him to play 15 yards off the football. Like it's, it's just frustrating. And so you, you see this defense like start to play well in the second half. And then the offense just completely disappears in the second half. Like, this to me is where like the playing not to lose is starting to affect the offense because the offense, you know, the, the chargers get the Eric Hendricks fumble to start the second half. It was a great play by Eric Kendricks. So I thought it played pretty well today. Um, you know, the pass interference was a really tough call. He was in great position, but you know, that shit happens. I don't necessarily hold that super against him. So you get this fumble and you get all the way down to the five yard line and Charles Amenahu gets his hands on a pass as an interception, and the defense holds to to a punt. The Chargers go a quick three and out with a with three straight runs, which to me is like we're playing field position, we're playing to control the clock, and you're down by seven. It was it was so it, it blew my mind that they sat there and ran three straight run plays mm-hmm. and. If your plan is to run three three straight run plays to then go forward and forth down, I would have understood it. But then they punted it, and they get a great punt from J.K. Scott, who is excellent today, which was like so (laughs) annoying. We've been begging for a good J.K. Scott game. We finally get one, and it doesn't mean shit. Um, And then you get another three and out after that, another three and out after that. It's just it, it felt like that interception just like completely flipped the game Mm -hmm. and the offense was completely not the same after that the chiefs did some good things on defense for sure but after that interception it just it just felt like all of the energy out of the offense just like drained and you could see it on -hmm. the field that the offense just did not have an answer after that no and both teams so different in terms of when they know the fourth quarter the really just the second half hits i mean we talked about yes the Chiefs, the last time they played the Chargers, had have not led like five straight games, but they've won four of them because they know and teams know that the Chargers are going to just retreat into a shell of themselves or just make a mistake because that's what they do. And the opposing team's going to win. They know they're going to win. They knew and they always know they're going to pull it out in the end. 
no matter how bad it looks, there's always something that happens. A fumble, pass interference, freaky touchdown, special teams at the end of the game. You know, there's always something. And yeah, you could really see the offense just start to fizzle. And when the offense starts to fizzle, the line starts to just not be the same and the rushes get home more. It's just a strange, I don't know, avalanche of things that happens, a snowball of things that happens because the offense starts to retreat like that. Um, I I guess at this point, we should talk about Herbert and what happened during the game. So first half, uh, all things considered, outside of the first drive, you know, the offensive line, big Joshua Kelly run, right? But the offensive line really seemed to settle down and mostly take care of business. This is a very good defense they were facing. So it's not like they were facing a really bad defense and they should have put up 50. This was the second best defense in the league behind the Browns, who I don't know what happened to the Browns today. But the, this Chiefs defense is very good, and they got Omenahu back. We talked about all this. And so I thought in the first half, like you said, 17 points, that's great. You know, you're on pace for 34. That's pretty good. Is it enough to beat the Chiefs? Not necessarily. But, you know, pushing for 27, 28 in this game, maybe even 30, would have been great. And just like clockwork, I think it was the the second time in three games or whatever it is, the Chargers haven't scored a second half point. This offense. And, you know, I'll have to watch the film on this, and I think that really changes things. Unfortunately, I watched the film against the Cowboys, and I thought Herbert played worse, but (laughs) which is unfortunate because that wasn't. It was not pretty. Yeah. It was not pretty. How often, I guess, is my first question in the chat, maybe knows better because I didn't see everything. How often do you feel Herbert forced it when Quentin Johnston? was or, or another option was open because today was the first day i really noticed on the broadcast that his releases were, were so good today yeah and the first drive i they they pressed like everyone on third down or whatever it was and i thought oh good golly this is going to be a long game for the offense because johnson couldn't move palmer couldn't move they double teamed keenan and they and they just pressed palmer and johnson and dared them to beat him they couldn't and that was the sack i think on, on the, the first drive I figured it's going to be a long game. After that, I mean, this is the first time I can really recall Quentin Johnson burning some DBs off the line, like some really high-quality stuff. And, you know, we only get to see the first third of a rep for a wide receiver for the most part, especially someone like Quentin Johnson who works down the field. But it was so apparent early on that he was beaten press, beaten man coverage, whatever was needed. Um, Obviously, that great comeback for 20 yards and then picked up some yards after that. Like, it was a it seemed like a really good day for him. So, you know, how often did you see him, Herbert, I should say, go elsewhere or look elsewhere, or I should say, just go to Keenan Allen when you felt like other guys were open? Because today it felt like, you know, the, the more apparent than ever. Yeah. Obviously Josh Palmer had himself a, a really solid day today, but I don't know. My take on the offense has been like, the bones are there. The first half scripts are really, really nice. The, the opening script of the second half is really nice. Um, I know it didn't end in points, but that that drive up until the interception was really, really good. And there's motion and there's misdirection and there's a good run game and like there's aggressive downfield passing. I, I, I don't know what the issue is, but in the second half, I just, it feels so forced. It feels like, everything is really intentional towards like Keenan and then maybe Josh Palmer. 
And I don't know why that is. And I, I think other teams are really starting to figure that out too. Maybe it's a Justin thing. Maybe it's a Kellen Moore thing. Maybe it's a combination of both. But it's it, it's it's really concerning at this point. And I've, I have said a few times, I trust these two guys to to figure it out and, and get things right. But we're we're six games into the season, and this is this is an issue. These fourth quarter performances are an issue. You know, outside of the end of the Raiders game where you had that awesome throw to Josh Palmer, the fourth quarters have been a pretty big issue for the Chargers offense. And so absolutely, Justin Herbert deserves blame for that. And I thought that we saw him play better today. You know, he's 17 mm-hmm. for 30, 260 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he took five sacks, which is really, really weird today. Um, so I do think overall he played better, but these fourth quarter performances are starting to become concerning. And, and it's not all on him, but Justin Herbert definitely deserves some blame for what has happened in the last few weeks. It feels like there's a lack of anticipation. I, again, did not watch the All-22 to this game. It just ended. But against the Cowboys, it felt like they're waiting for somebody to get open before he throws it which is something that we were worried about his rookie year. You know, when you're trying to learn how to play in the NFL, when all you did was throw screens in college, can you anticipate? And he yeah. was very good at this and, and really has been better at this. So to see him have to wait to see the things come open and really that just be keen and out at this point is rough. There, there are some great moments still. I think when there's an out route, for example, particularly against Blitz, like he's able to hit Keen, he's able to hit Josh Palmer. Like there are great instances of him being able to anticipate and get it out there, use the arm strength, all that sort of stuff. But other times, I just feel like he's waiting for these guys to come open, and by the time they come open, it's too late. Um, Palmer last game, I think Johnson last game, there are moments where you know Herbert takes the hand, or not the handoff, takes the snap. That's his first read, unless he's trying to look off somebody else, of course, but he looks to Johnson or to Palmer, maybe even Keenan Allen, and it's like, okay, that player is going to come open. There was a whole shot uh, to Josh Palmer against the Raiders. I can't remember what the play was. It was a corner or something. Um, But there's an opportunity to throw it to him. And Palmer would have gotten open. And he was open at a certain point. But Herbert was like, I can't anticipate that throw. And I think he either scrambled or went elsewhere. I'm just not seeing the anticipation that I'm used to seeing from him. But at the same time, like, his offensive line is not helping him one bit. And the early, I don't know if I agree with these, but the early pressure numbers are four from Trey Pipkins and then three from the entire rest of the offensive line. So the offensive line allowed 16 pressures today. Um, you know, got to watch, got to look at things. I felt the left side was better than the right side. I didn't think it was so, you know, a consensus of three or more across all five players. Um, but that right side is is a real problem. Right now, Sawyer and Pipkin's last two games have been pretty bad in pass protection. And it's really unfortunate because it's like Sawyer's got so many good things going for him and he could be a good guard. It's very early, but you know, I, I think that having forced him basically to play left tackle all last season, it's like this is his new rookie season and yeah. it's just not working for him. And again, like I think these things will get ironed out over time. Um, but the real frustration for me is you know that of course but he's you know young player trying to learn this Trey Pipkins it's been rough it's been it's been rough and I can't recall a game this season where I think his pass protection has been like great you know there haven't really been any that's very great moments and it's been really unfortunate to see that happen and again everything just kind of 
accelerates the other and makes the other issue that much greater, increases the magnitude of all these issues. If that happens, if these guys aren't blocking, then Herbert speeds up things. And if Herbert's speeding up things, then he's not anticipating. If he's not anticipating, he's throwing things, you know, over Keenan Allen for the third time in a row. Um, I don't know if that's the reason he did it today, but still, like, it's just, everything is just off. And part of it's the offensive coordinator, part of it's Herbert. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. Frustrating second half, for sure. And Herbert is just not himself. And he, he's gone backwards. He's gone backwards. And it's unfortunate to see after the Minnesota game where he was almost perfect. Yeah, those those first three games from Justin were outstanding. You mm-hmm. know, we went on the Chargers channel that Wednesday after the Vikings game, and we both agreed that it was the best game of his, his career. The Titans game ended poorly, but was still one of his better performances from an advanced stand, uh, advanced analytics standpoint. You know, against Miami, I thought he was efficient and explosive. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is as simple as the injury, you know, with the finger, and it's affecting him that much. But to me, it's more than that. I, I think the loss of Mike Williams, the loss of mm-hmm. Corey Lindsley, the finger, all of it is just kind of compounding to Herbert playing with a faster clock. And he doesn't trust the other guys outside of of Keenan and Josh to consistently make these plays. You know, he'll go to Quentin every once in a while. He'll go to Parham every once in a while. Every every once in a while, but like there's, it, it just feels like he's really trying to force things in the second half to Keenan to Palmer because he trusts those guys more. So there's there's some issues going on in the in, with the offense, and I think it's you know it, it's. It sucks because they basically have to play perfect every single week. Otherwise, they this is where the team is at. Um, Daniel Popper's article of this game has come out. I was just going to say that I just yes. started reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started reading it as well. Some people mentioning in the chat about this. Brandon Staley said after the game that in the first half, they mixed things up a little bit. They played zone. They played man. <laughs> Michael Davis, who we can always trust to be honest after the games, uh, said we played zone. Kelsey just goes to the spot and turns around. It has nothing to do with Travis. It's us. We got to get on their ass. When you come down and you play the Chiefs, you got to come out and play man and get on their ass. Uh, Derwin James also. We played a little bit too much zone in the first half. He was just getting behind our linebackers. He was getting open in the second half. We switched it up. Just here, Taylor. There's certain times we do have to play zone and live with that. Uh, but once we realized he was eating up the zone like he usually does, we just said, we're going to win or lose with man. Whatever Coach Staley called first half, I was down to ride and play with. Uh, Dean Marlowe Marlo. ran a little bit more zone the first half, and Kelsey was able to just find small little pockets to expend, extend plays, feel the zone out. He's probably one of the best tight ends at doing that. So the, you get the picture. The, the, the secondary is voicing their frustrations just like we are, Mm-hmm. in a much more like player driven way but you know this this group sounds like a frustrated group right now yeah i y- you were on the same page because while well, you were talking or i was talking or whatever uh started reading that and i about <laughs> fell over uh i what happens in defensive meetings what happens when Cause like I've even seen like some either it's an all in episode or some behind the scenes, whatever from last year, I think it was Ronaldo Hill. Like the team was struggling on defense and whoever it was, maybe it was Derek Ansley. They said, look, what can we do to help you guys? Like, Ansley, it's not yeah. working. You know, what can we do to help you guys? 
is that happening in in there is that happening in the defensive meeting are they asking the players what works best for them do they even know what works best for their players because this is now at least the second or third time this season where michael davis has come out and said hello can i play man please can we can i just press can i be myself please can you let me in my best season last year when i was really good can i can i please be that guy again can you stop me i i was in gus bradley's system that sucked but you know what? It, got me, <laughs> it got me my new contract so i appreciate it but my best season is clearly when i'm really out depress and play close and jam and like <laughs> and his film is saying the same thing but Yes. So much more comfortable, confident when he's up there. And then when he's off, like there's like he's not an off coverage corner. Like that's not what he does. And uh it's it's frustrating, man. Like he, he's expressing it verbally. Now he's expressing it with his film, or I guess expressing it with his film. Now he's expressing it verbally the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um man, that's that's uh that's a really interesting dynamic for Brandon Staley to go up there and say, we played man in the first half. And then all of his secondary pieces were like, no, 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 no. We played zone in the first half. Right. So there's either a miscommunication there where something is completely off and, and Staley needs to call more timeouts and go, hello, we're supposed to be playing man. Or, I don't know. Or the more simplified and probably the more correct answer. They just did play more zone and it's, I, I wonder what happens with Brandon Staley pregame because I I feel like there's an anticipation of what the questions are going to be, or even during the game, there's an anticipation of what the questions are going to be from Daniel Popper and other reporters after losses that it's almost like there's a preparation for whether it's right or wrong. Like you go onto the podium against the Cowboys last week and your response is like, well, we're one of the best third down teams in the league. Like, you you knew that like you had that ready to go you had that answer locked and loaded he he knew that stat for sure he knew that was wrong he knew that stat even though they're 18th in epa on third down but fine uh and if you exclude if you include penalties they're not good and they've been one of the worst third down teams for three years but that's fine it's almost like the the answer was ready to go and then today it's like you know in the middle of the game i'm sure at halftime he's like oh geez we played a so much zone and it sucked oh god the reporters are gonna ask me a question like it just you know what i mean like it just almost feels like there's an anticipation of what these questions are going to be rehearsed that's a great way to put it and and then daniel popper writes an article goes that's not quite true and then your players are like uh yeah we played a lot of zone you know and you know bless jaw taylor for going look hey whatever staley calls i'm gonna do it He's and the sure. young guy. He doesn't know better. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can get benched at any moment. But he's like, yeah, man, uh, I'll, I'll do whatever. But yeah, for, I mean, it's and it's, it's Michael Davis, it's Derwin James, Jaw Taylor, Dean Marlowe. You know, these are young guys, older guys, your superstars, your veterans, your guys that are sixth rounders. Like, that's up and down. You know, it's it, if it were maybe just Michael Davis kind of sounding off and maybe he's maybe you could pretend like he's forcing blame somewhere or or pushing blame elsewhere you know it's not my fault i'm not doing the thing you know i would be better if i did this but if the whole secondary from your cheapest guys to your most expensive guys are going yeah that's not what we did i mean that's (laughs) (laughs) i 
I don't know what to tell you, man. That's that's rough. That is that is rough that that was. I mean, brought out today, and I think that is that's a tough again look for sure. It's a tough look, and maybe that's why you have no identity as a team because you're not even letting your guys express their identity. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Again, like just. <laughs> It's we talked with Eric Smith in the offseason, you know, about how m- important it was for these coaches to be educators and like education is in their background and like they want to play to their player strengths. And Joshua Kelly, uh, you know, is the guy I always come back to and like the offense is playing to his strengths and running him downhill more. And he played great today, you know. Uh, Josh Palmer, let's go play to his strengths a little bit more, you know. We're seeing some other examples of that on offense, but defensively like it's so obvious what this defense has to do and then every single third down they're 15 yards off the ball and it was it was sad listening to Tony Romo and Jim Nance back oh here's another third down let's see if the Chargers can get a stop and then when they got a stop it was like wow the Chargers got a stop like just like the it was so condescending almost uh from the tone from those guys you know calling out the issues and things like that so it was a it was a poor showing, no way around it. And uh, we're going to be honest on, on this show. You know, we do the five truths segment on the Chargers channel. Uh, this defense cannot function the way that Brandon Staley has been calling plays the first halves of these games. It just can't. You can't keep playing these cornerbacks and these safeties the way that you have. Or this is going to be the result every single week. Tyson yeah. Bajan, who was an undrafted free agent, is going to light your ass up if you play 15 <laughs> yards off the ball, and it's not going to be pretty because we're on Sunday Night Football. And uh, you know, it's the Bears have some talent, man. They got DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney. They got some receiving talent. And if you're playing this way next mm-hmm. week, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, I I know whatever it is, it's gonna result in Mercedes Lewis like just blocking the <laughs> snot out of somebody for a touchdown. And I'm just gonna message you when that happens, just like a sad face emoji or something. Um, Could I yeah. have him on the Chargers for free? Sure. Yeah. I mean, basically, he would have been he would have been active today. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, oh, he would have been active. The, the Chargers might have scored at least three points in the second half. You know, with with a couple of good runs there. Uh, yeah. Uh, not not great. Wow. I, I still can't. I honestly still can't. I'm halfway. My brain is still on that article, which I appreciate Daniel Popper putting together. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I just like. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Frustrating day to uh, say the least. Um, I don't know how much more I want to talk about this specific game for my takeaways. Um, you have, did you have anything else before we get into some of these super chats? No, <laughs> no. Okay. Still kind of mind blown from that uh, article. My goodness. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before NFL games and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. Watch your progress update in real time. Win up to 25 times your entry amount and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using PrizePix so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. It's more fun to be there live for Los Angeles Chargers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash chargers. Um, all right, so we'll get to some of these uh, super chats. Uh, starting off with uh, Tyler's mom, she says, Aloha, are they in Hawaii? They are. My mom, for her sister's birthday, took her to Hawaii. She's never been before, so she took her mom or her sister. Uh, shocker, my mom went three for three on prize picks, uh, won $250 today. So <laughs> we just we should just get her picks before the before the segment that we do on Thursday, and uh, yeah, and just have her have her yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to prize picks hopefully you guys want some money today uh tyler thompson with a super sticker appreciate it and then he did another one and asked a question uh what's your opinion about trading away some players before the deadline to get good draft capital next year um here's the thing about the chargers and trading away players uh their gm and their head coach went all the way in on 2023 when they did four maximum restructures of Joey Bosa, Klumac, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. They literally cannot afford to trade away players. And also, the Chargers don't really have players to trade away. Thank you. Like, this is this is the thing. Like, when you're talking about, like, players that teams can go out and acquire, you're talking about, like, young players who are stuck in a poor position, veterans who are on expiring deals, or, like, toxic situations like the J.C. Jackson thing. So what veteran behind uh, a logjam are the Chargers trading away? Deion yeah. Henley, I guess. I don't know. Right. That would be like the only one. Uh, a veteran that's on a cheap expiring contract. Gerald Everett? 
like why would like the Chargers don't have assets to trade away. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all cool that everybody wants to be sellers and embrace the rebuild. Nobody's trading for the contract of Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and Keenan Allen and Derwin James. Like it's just not financially feasible. So they should be trading for players, in my opinion, not trading away players because it quite literally is impossible for this team. That's been the that's the main thing every every year. Um, so you know, Tyler has a great point. Like, what is your opinion of this? And that's Stephen's opinion, obviously. Uh, every year, it's a uh, you know trade Jerry Tillery and a seventh for this significantly better <laughs> <Jonathan> player. <Allen. laughs> yeah, and it's like, dude, nobody want. Well, the Raiders did, but nobody wants Jerry Tillery. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody actually wants him at this current state. You know, I've heard like. You know, let's trade Mike Williams and use that to move up for Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm like, dude, nobody wants a, a 29-year-old receiver with a torn ACL injury history and $36 million cap it next year right. to give up Marvin Harrison. Like, nobody, nobody's going to do that. Um, it's tough. Like, there's – and any, at any point, the Chargers might have, like, a player they could trade away. The depth behind them stinks. Like, yeah. like, you should, like you said, Gerald Everett, for example. Okay, let's say it's him. I ain't running out those other three tight ends. You guys ready for Stone Smart five targets a game? <laughs> I'm not. All due respect. All due respect, man. Like Carver had a solid career for himself. The only tight end that stayed on the field the entire game today. Um, so shout out to him. But yeah, tough. Like you said, they should be trading four players. Like if they really feel like you know, if you're playing for jobs, you're playing for the rest of the season, you feel like you can still go get this thing, then they need to go trade four players, which is dangerous right because it could be very sunk cost fallacy with this whole thing you went an all in last year you went all in you, you pushed money to next year now we're going to lose picks to go get some players to hopefully push this year i would get the rationale i would get it but to me it's like it's 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 risky and if they are trading for anybody please god make it a tight end make it a blocking tight end i know people like that's not the funnest thing in the world Swear on my life, would help so much right now. They would score more than zero points in the second half of the last two games with one good blocking tight end. Yeah, so that's my thing is like, let's trade away all these players. I I love Joey Bosa. He's like, before the season, I said he was one of my favorite players. I just, I love watching his tape, he's Mm -hmm. so refined. But his trade value is basically zero right now. You're talking about a guy who, before this season, had a lengthy injury history and a really expensive contract. Those two things are not conducive to finding a trade partner mid-season. Those those are the opposite of what you want when you're trying to find a trade partner. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the offseason, they can figure something out if they wanted to with some other team. Um, But Khalil Mack is older, and, you know, teams have all of this data, right? But, like, outside of the Raiders game, he has one sack. And that matters when you're talking about, like, trading away a player. You know, Derwin James has four years left on his contract. Like, you can't trade him. You can't. So, it's this team went all the way in on this season. They will not be trading away players. Yeah. The, I actually was doing this exercise yesterday, looking at players to trade for or to trade away. Like, who kind of has value at a position where, you know, not an expiring deal, but like a cheap enough deal. You have enough players at this position where you, maybe you start to feel okay. And it's a bit of a log jam. I think it maybe is Morgan Fox. I don't know how much he played today, but like, and I think that's a dumb idea. Don't get me wrong. 
Sure. But that like they've reduced his snaps significantly to the point where he was almost equal with Matlock. And let's say Otito comes back and you like how Nick Williams is playing and you're trying to find a way to put your three edge rushers on the field more. And you already have Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day starting. If you're trying to find draft capital, I guess that's a player. But again, I hate that. And I think you should play more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there, there's your there's your one good Chargers asset. Morgan Fox on a, on a cheapish deal who's playing pretty well. So. <laughs> so you shouldn't yeah. trade him, but so you shouldn't trade him. But th- that's your one asset. Yeah. You know, even Austin Eckler, who's on an expiring contract, he is coming off an ankle injury and he hurt it again today. We don't yeah. know if he's going to be healthy again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's you're not trading away players. In my opinion, you go be active at the deadline, you go acquire some pieces. You know, the Carolina Panthers are shopping a guy like Dante Jackson. That would be a great cornerback death piece. Mm-hmm. You know, Terrace Marshall, good wide receiver death piece. You know, uh, these blocking tight ends out there, like go get one or elevate Nick, Nick Vanette, like do something there. But I, I want, I don't want to see tanking. I'm so anti tanking. We had this conversation in 2020 uh, when the team was bad. I want to win. I want to see the Chargers win. And I think the Chargers want to see the Chargers win. So go be aggressive, go find some other pieces. Yeah. The most important thing other than winning is, the offense needs to express itself as much as Kellen Moore needs to express yes. himself and this offense needs to express itself as yes. much as possible um, for all the reasons you can assume. Yeah. Um, LA Chargers fan says, I am out on this regime. I was out on Telesco a long time ago, but I appreciate his willingness to go all in these two years. Uh, this organization needs a reset. I think Harbaugh would be my pick. So fed up. Uh, Jim Harbaugh currently under NCAA investigation for stealing signs for like the, this is like the third investigation from the NCAA. So I think Jim Harbaugh is going to be available, but I think he's going to have his eyes on the bears job because the bears job is going to have the chance to get the number one overall pick and probably the number two or three overall pick also. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Any thoughts there, Tyler? I'd have to do my own separate deep dive on Harbaugh. Whole different conversation. The, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about Harbaugh as a candidate because I have not spent any time thinking about this scenario. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk uh, about any of this if it happens. But The fed upness, we totally get. It's, mm-hmm. Obviously, we share a lot of the frustrations. Um, Tara, appreciate Tara. She's always in here doing super chats. She says, what does the offense do now? You want to get quick passes out and set up the run to nullify pressure on Herbert. But teams are stacking 8-9 in the box. Tight ends, OL, and running backs are struggling to block. Um, I'd have to look at what, if anything, maybe it was just execution, but it felt like there was about a two-quarter stretch in the middle-ish of the game where the offense really settled. And I don't know if it was movement. Like when they started, when they did the Mike Williams play, when they did the Herbert roll right throw left play, you know, yeah. to hold Mike Williams on the deep over. Around that time, I felt the offense was very much settled and clicking and moving and the defense was guessing. So... I'd have to look about what worked there. Maybe it is just as simple as Herbert moving. I don't know. Unfortunately, I'm curious how much under center play action has dropped since Herbert's injury, which is also part of the other issue. Like you're you're running a lot out of shotgun, but like Herbert has a his, his splint got yeah. like ripped off in the middle of the game today, and they had to retape it. So it's yeah. it's a whole problem. Yeah. Yeah, it is a whole problem. It, it's really hard to have an, an effective run game under center. And, uh, you know, it just makes the things that much more 
difficult for the offense because it really condenses your playbook, which could be contributing to to everything. And I think Herbert is is very good under center. Play action under center has been one of his strongest assets as a quarterback. So um, that that's definitely an underrated part of their struggles. You know, the, the the quick game. I think they're not doing as much quick game as previous years. It really is. It, it, it's a lot more like vertical. You know, five seven step drops as opposed to like the three step drops that Joe Lombardi did so often. Um, so it, it is a little bit frustrating. Stacking the box has been an issue, particularly against the run game. I don't know if the Chiefs did that a whole lot, so that's definitely something I'll, I'll revisit with the film. But um, blocking units are, is is definitely struggling. You know, we've talked a lot about the tight end blocking, offensive line blocking. The running back blocking has gotten better since Eckler has been back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not been as much of an issue previously. It was better um, today. Yeah. I forget what the numbers were. It's like probably like what three and a half yards of carry, but that's yeah. better. Yeah, the run game I thought looked good today. You know, Justin was trying to hand the ball off with his right hand, even going left. It was weird, but it worked. I mean, Josh Kelly looked good. Austin Eckler had some good runs. So the run game was better today for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guy, I see your super chat and I appreciate your super chat. It's, I feel like it's kind of a similar conversation that we can't really touch on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor, I might be wrong, but it seems like every time the Chargers push tempo or audible at the line, it's too chaotic and goes haywire. It doesn't seem smooth. Arjun pointed something similar about this. What, what's your take about the, the usage of tempo? It definitely has felt that way the last at least two years. I don't recall how it was in 2021 when things were a bit better, I feel like, for the offense. I, I, I don't know what makes it so difficult. I don't know if it's because they can't run it or they don't have a great vertical threat right now. Um, yeah. It's just very clunky, very, very clunky right now. I think there are times where their tempo has been effective, but a lot of the times they'll try, they'll have a big play and that's when they'll try and do tempo and then they'll do like a shotgun run and it Mm -hmm. goes for like a yard. I'm like, guys, like just relax here. (laughs) Like you don't need to do that. Um, there are other times where, you know, in, in the first half, they had that um, nice little out route to Gerald Everett. He got like eight yards. They went tempo, and Josh Kelly did it, had like a seven-yard run after that. That's an instance of tempo where I think that's where you should like focus your your tempo is. Not after big plays, but after like your intermediate gains where you get a, a little mini chunk for a first down and you want to catch them in that personnel package again because usually you have – a third down package and that means a lighter box potentially on the next next play that's a good usage of tempo mm-hmm. and i think they do that well but it's when they go big play and they try and come back with tempo that that's when it feels like so chaotic and you know there was one time um i can't remember which big play it was after but they get to the line and palmer's like running to the other side and quentin johnson's like i don't know what i'm doing here and then they <laughs> handed the ball off for mm-hmm. yeah and then they handed the mm-hmm. ball for one yard i'm like Guys, like just yeah, relax, go huddle after a big play, and you'll be fine. Yeah, I'd rather they back off from the no huddle hurry up and go more for the motion that I think really worked against the Cowboys, which seemed like they had no idea what to have. Like on that first drive, they had no idea what to do. Uh, yeah. Motion was great. The way they used motion and really the way they used motion overall, I think it was really worked for them. So rather they keep things, you know, nice and even and evenly paced. But then when it's time to break the huddle and go, there's motion. There's a lot of confusion going there. And that can bring the defense out of sorts too. So I think I think I would go for that and higher execution over just hurry up to the line. Yeah, it's, it's stuff like this though that like I'm frustrated about 
that the offense is not really clicked yet, but you can see it being close and they definitely deserve criticism. They mean Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert today, but you can see the offense is close and you can see that it's just like kind of taking them a little bit. So maybe just have to be a little bit more patient with the offense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, next one here, Kyle Loomis. I don't know what to say about this performance. I'm just thankful for this podcast. I appreciate that, Kyle. Uh, been a fan since 1994, and it's nice to have a place to go to for therapy. Thank you for building this platform for the Chargers fans to vent. We appreciate it. Uh, we're happy to do it. It's definitely a frustrating time, like I said earlier, but you guys will continue to get our best, and uh, we appreciate you guys here in the chat, especially those who uh, are, are feeling the need to do some Super Chats today. Yeah, there there will be a time for positivity. I, I may be gray-haired and old. I may have, you know, a mortgage and four kids by then or something, but oh God, uh, I hope not. <laughs> please send super chats if that's the case. Um, <laughs> but there will be positivity at some point. And yeah, I, I there is something about just getting on here and, and honestly 90% of these post-game things that we do. It's kind of just winging it, if you will. You know, there's kind of direction we always go. But Steve and I just jump on here, and what you guys give us is kind of where we go. Uh, and and it, it is therapeutic for me. I'm less frustrated now. Um, I won't sleep, uh, but I, I feel less frustrated now than I did before. Yeah. You know, I still have, <laughs> he won't sleep. That's funny. I don't sleep on a regular basis anyway, but uh, that's a different conversation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I, I, I still have faith in in this team and what they can potentially do with Justin Herbert. I just think they've got to figure some other things out. But, you know, the Chargers are more fortunate than a lot of other teams right now because of Justin Herbert. You know, it's so hard to find a franchise quarterback and one that can, you know, keep up with the Mahomeses of the world. You just got to figure out the rest of the stuff mm-hmm. around him. So uh, they have the hardest part figured out. Now they got to go figure out the rest of it. Uh, Joseph, is it possible Herbert is getting skittish due to the O-line play? The kid has been getting killed back there since he got drafted. Uh, I mean, the Chargers offensive line in 2021 was really good. Um, they were top five in pass blocking efficiency that year, but I, I, I get his point. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know when this question was specifically asked, but I, I think this is just a compounding of multiple issues. It's not having Corey. It's not having Mike. It's the finger. It's the pressure of always having to be perfect. I think it's just a lot for Herbert to deal with right now. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And again, it is still a new offense. So all the answers aren't there. He might not know all the one to two to three to four to five potentially in every play that they have. Yeah. Um, Tara back here again with another one. I think Stadium needs to simplify simplify the scheme and listen to the players to see where they're comfortable playing at. Mm -hmm. We agree. 100%. No kidding uh jose stop letting him change play calls i don't know if that's just uh and he says trade derwin they literally cannot they quite literally cannot trade derwin james and i don't think they should yeah for what it's worth i don't know how it works obviously but you know they have a 20 million dollar dead cap hit next year because they traded jc and i can't imagine it's a whole lot better if they trade uh derwin yeah i thought he played well today you know took some losses against kelsey but who doesn't but that second half, I thought Derwin James was was the key piece to like turning things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Shoon, they played a decent game, stayed close to an insane Mahomes first half, and held them scoreless for almost the entire second half. A little positivity from Papa Shoon tonight. Hopefully they start playing more aggressively going forward. At least you're not the Raiders or Broncos, says John Shoon. Appreciate it, as always. 
Haven't lost to the Bears yet, Dad. So hold on. Let's give it a week. Let's see what happens. <laughs> if they lose next week, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> My mom's going to host. I don't even care. She literally oh, is a therapist. Man. So she will just therapy for the Chargers fans. Uh, Thomas Martinez, are the DB comments the first public sign of disconnect slash possible beginning of losing of the locker room? I don't know about that second part. I think the first part, yes, you can see that things are a little bit disconnected so far. Yeah, that and maybe maybe Keenan Allen said what it's saying. WTF are we doing? <laughs> that was and that he deleted. That yeah. I think mm, that was the Browns game. Browns game. That's right. Yep. 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 Uh, C Roy five five four. Wildcard would most likely be our greatest hope slash expectation. Do you think this team can put these pieces together and make a run before the explosion? Uh, what do you make here? I'm gonna I'm bringing up the schedule right now because I I think my short answer is no, but I really want to see the schedule real quick. The issue is that if they had won the game today, then I'm picking them to win most of their next games. Like that's a huge win for them. But you know, are they beating Denver in in Denver anymore? I don't even know. I don't know if they can get it together for that game. You know, last week the Patriots lost, and today they beat the Bills. Could they travel to Foxborough in December on a short week and beat the the, the Patriots in Foxborough? I don't really know anymore. Uh, Baltimore, Green Bay, oh, not Green Bay, excuse me, Detroit. I I, I just I just think it's kind of cooked, guys. Like I, I thought it was sort of low key cooked even when they beat the Vikings and it's worse now like one and one would have been great oh and two and looking like they did you know it's mathematically still possible but I don't know man I I think I think it's over (sighs) that sucks unless they Um, trade for players yeah so my my whole thing has been get through the Green Bay Packers game Mm -hmm. five and five and you have the potential to go on a run and make the playoffs. But to do that now, you have to go three and one in the next four games to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And that includes the Lions, the Ravens, and the Jets. That's a really, really, really difficult schedule. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's going to be tough. Like, can they do it? Yes. We, we've seen this team, you know, in the past express itself on offense and, and you know, get some turnovers on defense. I just, I need to see it. Like I'm at that point now where my expectations are very low. I need to see you earn trust back and play mm-hmm. consistently, play complimentary football, play to win and uh, be consistent. Like the, the Chargers should win next week. The Bears are a bad team. They're, the Chargers open, open, opening line are favored by nine and a half points. So the Chargers, the Chargers should win next week. That's not going to change my opinion of where this team is at. My opinion of this team is basically that I have no trust in their ability to do what is necessary to get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. I think this is, I forget which team was talking about it. They were talking about it on uh, the pregame, but basically October is separation time Mm -hmm. for the team, for the contending teams to really start to separate and who's separating right now, the chiefs, the Ravens, I don't know who else in the AFC is really separating. The Dolphins and the Bills will both lost today. But mm-hmm. the Chiefs and the Ravens are top-notch teams right now, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, like I have zero faith. I guess the Jaguars, too. The Jaguars have certainly started to, to separate from the AFC South, at least. 
So if those are your top three teams, do we really trust the Chargers to go into Jacksonville and win a playoff game? I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> no. I, like, I just I need to see it. Like I'm at that point now where I, my expectations are are extremely low, and you got to earn it back. For, like I do not have trust in this team right now. Yeah, I think we spoke after the end of last season that my childhood uh, enthusiasm and love and kind of just blind faith in the team was crushed after last season. And if there was any hope left, it was extinguished today. Like it is, it is now prove it mode. And I promise you there will be podcasts where we're cheering and jumping up and down and excited because uh, they won a really big game. But it, it'll be more of a surprise this season than an expectation. Yeah. Uh, got a few more here. Matthew Dahl. Uh, you're asking a Utah fan about Lincoln Riley. I'm just going to say my thoughts about Lincoln Riley are, are he's incredibly overrated as a coach, and Kyle Whittingham is currently his daddy. Fair enough. I'm a USC fan, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ricardo, hey, Dicker the kicker kicked a 55-yard field goal today. That's something positive, right? Yes, Cameron Dicker. Woo! Dog. J.K. Scott. Dog. Dogs of the yeah. day right there, those two. Uh, I'm not going to lie. When Dustin Hopkins hit his 37th 55-yarder today, I was a little worried about Cameron Dicker <laughs> making that 54-yarder, 55-yarder today. Because uh, Hopkins, that was the big question mark. And this you know, older, injured-ish player who had not hit from 50 for the Chargers, can he hit from 50-plus? And do you go with Dicker? Well, they went with Dicker. And then Hopkins goes out. And I think he's like 6-for-6 six six or 7-for-7 seven seven now on 50-plus yarders on the season. Seven, yeah. And it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> But then, you know, thankfully, Cameron Dicker came through. And it was great. Like, it was solid. Could have been from 60. So, not bad. Yeah, I think I saw a stat from Field Yates that uh, Dustin Hopkins is the first kicker in NFL history to go five straight 50-yard-plus field goals. So, really? That feels so low. Like, I feel like yeah. that would be a Justin Tucker. It might have been six. It might have been six. But I, I think he meant, like, cons- like, right in a row, not, like, 50-plus attempts. But, like, huh. five field goals in a row were all 50-plus, and he hit them all. Not like he had a 50-yarder, then he had like a 30-yarder, and then back to 50. It was like five straight 50-yard-plus attempts, and he hit them all. Mm -hmm. So he played in Indianapolis today. It's it's one of the friendliest kicking environments in the league. Cameron Dicker hit a 55-yard field goal in Arrowhead, which is one of the most difficult places to kick. So shout-out to Cameron Dicker. I love Cameron Dicker. Uh, J.K. Scott was fantastic today as well. Mm -hmm. So the last Super Chat. We have another one. One more here. Uh, Andrew Busso, how is Kelsey open after lazy route bothers me? Why we didn't go for it when we usually do? Uh, do they have Separate any fourth points. down obvious goes? No, not that there I were, can think of. There were a couple of Arjuns definitely like unhappy with. <laughs> yeah, it was never. I thought, like you said, that after that, the three straight runs, my assumption was that Kellen Moore thought that he had a fourth down there to go for it. So get a little closer and see what happens. But no, there were no non-end-of-game, like, half-two situations where I didn't think they had to ever go for it on fourth down even at the end of the game, did they? No, because he threw the pick on third or whatever. So the last drive, they didn't. They had to go for it on fourth and 16. But again, that's a have-to-have-it situation. Uh-huh. And Justin made a beautiful pass to Josh Palmer. Um so the second to last drive, they had a fourth and five. So that's not really that's not really an obvious go. I, I would have understood mm-hmm. it if they had went for it, but it was at the you were at your own 27. Like 
Sadie would have gotten crushed in the media if he had run for that, which I, I think that was the right decision. Um, yeah, so the the one that I think you could have definitely made a case that he should have gone for, uh, the Chargers, it was their third drive of the second half. The Chargers went incomplete pass to Palmer. Uh, second and 15 because of a false start penalty. Keenan gains eight yards. Third and seven incomplete pass. So you had a fourth and seven at the 47. Maybe that's one you could go for, but I, I can't imagine that the obvious, that the numbers would have said that's an obvious go with fourth and seven. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause then it's like, okay, you're looking at the team. They can't, they typically can't run it and they can't pass protect. So like I have, I don't know. The whole fourth down thing is, is, is even yeah. more risky than the numbers would suggest. I think. Yeah. I don't think that they lost today because of fourth down decisions. No, nah, just first, second and third. On... Yeah. But I uh, appreciate the question there for sure. From Andrew. Mm-hmm. All right. While I was doing the super chats, there were 292 other comments. So appreciate you guys. I didn't really see any of them because I was doing the super chats, but uh, hopefully you guys had some, uh, some good ones in there. (sighs) Frustrating. All right. So hopefully this time next week, the charges are three and five. If they're two in, or excuse me, it'd be three and four. Mm -hmm. If they're two and five, that would be incredibly frustrating. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? If that happens, we're just going to stream Cocaine Bear and react to it, and that's all we'll do <laughs> for two hours. What a movie choice. <laughs> well, the bears, you know. Oh, I got you. Okay, okay. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. One. That's a good one. Uh, well, uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we're having a fun little uh, crossover on Wednesday's show on the Chargers feed, but we'll see how that one goes. It's not confirmed officially yet, but hopefully it does get confirmed tomorrow. Uh, otherwise we'll have our usual lineup of shows the rest of the week. I know Alex, uh, Insdorf is, uh, a little sick tonight, but he's going to push through and, and do his usual bolt breakdown. So please go check that out. Uh, for those of you who are checked out and, uh, all aboard the draft train, Alex Katzen has you covered, uh, is doing some great week, great work on our channel talking about, uh, college football roundups and players that the team is scouting on a weekly basis. They've been to a lot of Penn State football games so far this year. Uh, so if you're all aboard the draft train right now, go check out Alex's work. He's doing some good stuff. Arjun will have Chargers Analytics. Jameson will have us covered with all the injuries. And then Tyler and I will have our weekly preview on Thursday. Uh, so business as usual is us. We will continue put out, putting out our best effort because that's what you guys deserve. And that's what we're about over here. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for us tonight. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.